This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. All right. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, sure. Uh, it's a sure, sure thing. Sure. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Yeah, that article by some lady talking at GDC about evil in games, that was sort of interesting. So, so hopefully we'll touch upon that. I'm sure we all got thoughts on it. We we're got some. Philosophical thoughts. We're all super opinionated people. Right? Never a truer statement has been said during this entire podcast. <laughs> I don't I'm not. I'm the I'm the peacemaker of the crowd. Yeah, you're the nice You're one. gonna have your work cut out for you tonight then. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I made it through the great Drake debate. A what debate? Drake. Drake uh, Nathan Drake game. Oh, yes. The greatest third person No, 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 no. I don't want... I, why is every podcast that involves me involved no. in Drake? I just <laughs> was I commenting that I made it through. Just you briefly, guys, does, does, does... I didn't bring it up. Like, does he not yeah. like Nathan Drake? I don't like the Uncharted series as a whole unless we're talking about Golden Abyss. For some reason, I like Golden Abyss. I... It's complicated. It's very complicated. I'm getting shy about RPGs. You have horrible taste in games. Because uh, oh man, yeah, and the fact that you consider that save, a good it, guy. save it, save it for the cast. Don't worry, it's already being recorded. Ha 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 He caught on after the R Street Games takeover. He's caught on. Yeah, I took some medicine and it was making me drowsy. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows what I'm going to say tonight? I'm not used. He to might just start play. snoring and in his. Every time you ask him a question, it'll just be snoring. Sometimes. And you guys think I'm just being thoughtful. Yeah, that reminds me. Very. All right, let's light this candle. Yeah. Let's do let's it. Let's light this M80. Blow something up. All right. I think we're going to uh, begin this podcast in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog, and with me tonight are... Four special guests. <laughs> yeah, to count that. that. Yeah, well, I gotta make sure. Sometimes we have four, sometimes we have five. Sometimes we have three, sometimes we have two. It really all depends. <laughs> and uh, with me tonight are some people that are usually on and some people that are not. And I know that Ted's on there. He's yes, I am. Drowsy. I'm drowsy, man, Ted. <laughs> Whoa. And uh, Elijah, who has returned once again. And hopefully not to talk about things he hates. I'm hoping. I'm hoping, but you already were threatening that earlier. <laughs> and we also have returning guest, Jonathan R. Clausen. How are you doing? I'm fine. I am here, and I am armed with all forms of heresy to spout them forth and and bring on the, the town criers of pitchforks. Yeah, and and Michael Jones is not on here, so you can... That's exactly him. why. Yeah, dump on Pentecostalism all you want. Free <laughs> reign. Do it. Then I'll have him and M. Josh uh, ganging up on me. So I don't want to. And I kind of like M. Josh. Not so much, you know, Mike, like, but, you know, M. Josh, I kind of like him. So I want to stay on his good side. Wow. <laughs> okay. And uh, then we have Eric Anderson of the Nerd Chapels. Well, Hello. Greetings. How goes it? It goes well. I started painting a TARDIS today, so. Nice. Is, is the woman going, is the doctor going to be a woman now? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> that there are still people purpose. debating over whether that should or should not happen, but he should, um, he should turn into a she. I think. 
for yeah. no reason. I'm, I'm open to I know nothing about Doctor Who. We should have. They should have an African Englishman. Well, they had the it. master be huh. changed to a woman. Oh. Well, there you go. So, Doctor hey, Who Thor, is very diverse. If, if Thor, just you know, so put out a big spoiler for the most recent season without warning anyone. But hey, yeah, <laughs> what can you do? I watched some of that Doctor Who stuff with my son. It was kind of fun. I watched like uh, uh, one season was one one guy, and then the next season it turned into a different guy. I know that's really descriptive. Oh, so you started right <laughs> at the beginning. Good, you saw the good ones then. No, I don't think it. It seems relatively ones. modern. So no, the, 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 you're referring to recent. The, they basically start. There are two series. There's the really old one and the new one. And okay, well, then it's I, still the same series. It's just oh, the British yeah. are weird about seasons. A reiteration. Yeah. All right. So I, I must continuation reiteration. <laughs> I saw the newer version. You are saying that. The first season, the one with, uh, not Tenet, but the one with... Uh, Christopher Eccleston? Yeah, the one with the creepy face. The German U-boat wearing guy. You think that was the best <laughs> season? My whole family prefers him and, and David Tennant to Matt Smith's very badly written antics. We still can't forget that damn pirate ship. <sighs> I miss that. <laughs> what? Okay. I don't know what's I happening. just like the creatures that talk like this and said, you must be yes, destroyed. the Daleks are... Yeah, is that what they are? Exterminate! Exterminate! <laughs> Especially in the end of of uh, I forget, yeah. yeah season two, season two when you know that they are being incredibly sassy to the Cybermen. There has never been such a hilarity between villains than that. Sassy you are better at dying. Zachary, take command of the ship. Put us yeah, back on course. I don't want to debate about Doctor Ho. That's the least of my worries. Did you say Doctor Ho? <laughs> Doctor Ho. Like Don Ho, Tiny Bubbles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hawaii's number one superstar. Anyway, uh, (laughs) going completely off topic. (laughs) (laughs) I took a trip to Hawaii, okay? And they talked all about Don Ho the whole time on the tour bus. Like Don Ho was some sort of demigod. I don't know why, but anyway, just putting that out there. Yeah. Yeah. He's from Hawaii, I guess, so. Honolulu specifically, but he's anyway. their greatest export. Yeah, other than when they used to make sugar. <laughs> and Boy, were, this is this is some hot podcast yeah, topic. And they said here. you don't pay us enough, uh, Dole. And Dole's like, we're jumping ships somewhere else right about now. So, yeah, that's the history of Hawaii's economy. And the Elegy Gaming Podcast has begun officially. <laughs> gaming, wake up! Game. I just want to throw that word out there. Okay, so the topic was uh, games that you played that you thought you were going to hate. I don't even know why you would play a game you thought you were going to hate, but that you ended up liking. Some of us are masochists. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Lowered expectations can make something much more awesome than it would have been otherwise. So does anyone have an example in particular of a game they thought they weren't going to like? Well, maybe a game that you bought thought you were going to enjoy, then hated for the first couple hours, and then blossomed into something much better. I've never had that happen to me. I've had what the main topic is happen to me, but never that. Anybody <laughs> well, else? If you don't mind, Zachary, if I could just explain how that thought came to my head as a possible topic. Yeah, sure. It, because I went through and had a, a bit of an experience like that where 
I turned on the old Xbox 360, and the gold game of the month was a game called Sniper Elite 2. And I was like, World War II shooting game? You know, how many of those have I seen before? And so I started to play it a little bit reluctantly, went through the training level, and went on the first mission. And then... I experienced the thing that I guess makes that series what it is, is the slow motion bullet shot. You know, when you're a a distance away, yeah, and you shoot that thing and that bullet's going through the air. And um, yeah, like the bones go crunchy crunch, you know, wherever you hit the guy. (laughs) It could be his fingers on the gun or his teeth. Or his head, you know, exploding, and it is was that like, literal? is it you know, someone going crunchy crunch every time? Well, maybe that's my own variation of the sound effect there, but you know, <laughs> crunchy crunch. It's actually they're eating Captain Crunch sometimes when they're getting shot. Oh, okay. You know? Full so, recording artist Ted Loring. <laughs> crunchy crunch. <laughs> That's right. I'm working on a jingle, so I can be like Two and a Half Men, be a, a commercial songwriter. I think that's what that show does. Um, that that's really out of there. But so that slow motion thing was so satisfying. I was just like, I was not expecting to have fun playing this game, and I kept playing and I kept playing, and I don't know how long it is, but I've played it for about four hours. And I just haven't gotten tired of it. So I was so pleasantly surprised by this game that I thought I was going to not like or even hate. And it turned out to be a good game to me. Wow. Oh, did you get testicle shot yet? Because I've gotten that a bunch of times playing that game. <laughs> no, I've, well, if I've, you aim precisely enough, it will show it go through. And then it says testicle shot. And like, hello, puppy. Layers. It's awesome. I've gotten a f- yeah, I like seeing the dog uh, showing up on the screen. Which we're confusing everyone Jonathan. else now. They're like, "What dog? Dog? <laughs> it's a beautiful dog that it's Jonathan the has. Dog. He's he shown up. Dance with the dog. I I have done a shot like through the ear and it said something, and a shot through the eye where it said something, and <laughs> a low bank like shot. <laughs> I, I forget what it was, you know, for the ear. It was like, what did you say? Or I don't know. Or for stupid. like JFK, like bullet magic bullet shot, you know, goes <laughs> and then goes in. So that's what got me thinking, though, that maybe there are others out there who have had an experience kind of like that at some time in their past. Or maybe if you're a reviewer of games where you weren't enthusiastic about playing a game because you had to do a review of it or whatever reason, or you had a friend that loved it, so you played it more because of your friend at first. There's a lot of situations where I think you could start a game not wanting it to like it and then winding up liking it. I think of games that do the opposite. Like, I thought I was going to like them, and then I hated them. Yeah, I had that experience with KOTOR. I'm a big Star Wars fan, but just, it wasn't quite, ex- just the hitting buttons where he winds up hitting the buttons so he slashes instead of actually, like, being an action RPG was more of a straight RPG. And I just couldn't get into it, which really bugged me because I love Star Wars. So, so in that game, like you would hit the button because that's what he's going to do next, but it's not necessarily real time. Like I'm pushing the yeah. button, reach, swing. Okay. Yeah, you kind of queue up actions. Okay. Dance. It's semi real time. You can pause it, but yeah, it's more like a Dungeons and Dragons combat system than it is really a Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That was the Bioware one, right? 
Yeah, the first Bioware one. They didn't make... Yeah, well, they made Old Republic the MMO, too, so... Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I, I have one. I have one. Okay, Oh, so, you do? Okay, because I've got two, so you go first. Okay, so... I played the original Assassin's Creed, like, around when it, a year after it came out for, like, 12 bucks, because everybody was like, oh, Assassin's Creed, well, it was okay, right? So I played that one, and I was like, I don't really like this game very much. But So I didn't really play Assassin's Creed until, like, four years later, and they had a big sale on Steam for all the Assassin's Creed games, and I was like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, I think I'll just, you know, take this huge swath and... I'll just buy them all and see how it is because it was only like twenty bucks for all the games in the Ezio trilogy, as they call it. So That's Assassin's Creed, two, Brotherhood, and Revelations, right? So mm-hmm. I played two. I actually really, really enjoyed two. Two is considered by many to be the strongest entry in the series. That's what I've heard as well. I don't think it's like a great game, but I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I probably would have otherwise because the setting. I really like the the kind of historical tourism aspect of this one in particular. Oh, the Renaissance? Yeah. It doesn't get much better than that. It's just located in Italian city-states and as realistic maps as we probably could get while also having, like, game elements into it. So I like it mostly because of the atmosphere and the music and kind of the jumping around. Because at that point, it was novel, and they had increased the pace enough Mm-hmm. from the original Assassin's Creed that it felt like snappy and jumpy and kind of like Prince of Persia in a big open world sort of setting. And well, there well, are Prince, definitely Prince problems with it. Is the one that made the Assassin's Creed games. Who did? Prince of Persia teams? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It felt more like POP than the uh well, Sands of Time Prince of Persia stuff. Right. Then did the one previous. The one previous like the first Assassin's Creed is super sluggish. It feels like the experiments regarding some kind of idea, but not really a fully formed version of it. It was definitely more of a proof of concept. Yeah. yeah. When that one came out, you knew that it was going to become something great. Yeah. And and it did around two for and sure. The second one really did like, it basically is the template for like every, almost every Ubisoft game. To yeah. Almost the letter, which has kind of made my interest wane over the years. Well, Black Flag, I think, kind of broke enough with that series. It added the ship combat, yeah, which I think gave it enough of a push in a different direction. Yeah, and the prototype is... of the ship combat was in AC3, right? Correct. Which wasn't, yeah. it was also kind of half-featured at that point. Yeah, too. and then they ended up making a third game, which was pretty much based on ship combat, which was Assassin's Creed Rogue. Oh, okay. Oh, that one is all ship combat, that one. Pretty good. It's mostly ship. It's like Black Flag. It's a lot of ship. Just instead of the South Atlantic and the Caribbean, it's more of the Northeast. Oh, okay. Because I didn't like AC3 at all, and that was kind of what made me stop playing Assassin's Creed in general. Oh, you should jump back in with 4. Okay. You really should. 4 is phenomenal. Four. Oh, it's beautiful, that's for sure. Because I was curious, because 2 really was, you know... To me, it's kind of the premiere version. And I think it's mostly to do with my preferences of aesthetics and historical setting. And the music's super good, too. Mm-hmm. I actually bought the soundtrack. I think the characters are all very interesting, and in, some of them are endearing. It, it, I enjoyed that from a storyline perspective. And uh, I loved meeting Leonardo da Vinci and <laughs> yeah. seeing his different inventions and stuff like that. 
So. Got a little quirky with the Brotherhood. You could ride his like devices and cannons and oh, that was just fun. That was just fun. <laughs> yeah, I played a little bit of the first one, and I liked the whole let's let's go to the Middle East and explore ancient yeah. Middle East. Yeah, it is um, cool. But I just for me last few years with uh, single player games, I just can't keep myself focused on it. That's why my voice hasn't been coming through. My microphone's been muted. I've been wanting to say something for a while now. Um, it's actually <laughs> Brotherhood where they first prototyped the naval combat, believe it or not. There's actually a mission with one of Leonardo's devices that involves naval combat and you raiding a ship yeah. and doing basically the exact same things that you would do in 3 and 4. So it was actually With a there. small rowboat with a cannon on it. <laughs> yes, but it was actually still the basic concept. It's a tiny so. rowboat. <laughs> yes, it's a rowboat. Right. It, was, like, it was the gondola. It was the same. Row faster, rope. get out of the way. Gondola. <laughs> Gondola? Really? It was a gondola a, with a, a cannon war, on it. A war, a, a war gondola? Oh my god, a cannon. Yeah, it was. It was a war. It was a gondola of war. Man, I love that <laughs> combat simulator. <laughs> also, you said about how Prince, the Prince of Persia team was making Assassin's Creed. There's a specific okay. reason why, Zach. It was originally Assassin's Creed was a spin-off of Prince of Persia. It was actually going to be called yeah. Prince of Persia Assassins. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and I didn't even see the video for this. Yeah, the imagery is stupid. I didn't see this because Ted is just, he's gone. There's no hope for Ted. His face is so red. He's gone. He's choking. Alas, Ted, poor Ted. Please don't die in this well. Oh. Yeah. oh, you all right there, Ted? <laughs> I was better than studying like the Flash. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh. <laughs> all right, I'm over it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> combat. Oh, are, are you done, Zach? Can I say my two? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All I'll say is I think Assassin's Creed 2 is worth playing if you've never played it. Just to make yeah. two cents. I would if you didn't like Brotherhood. Oh, I didn't like Brotherhood at all. I thought Rome was, it was the great. gondola of war. You didn't like about it? No, no, no. The, it, uh, yeah, Rome I, has lots of empty spaces. I think that's what's missing for me. Yes, it, it, I, I never got why everybody said it was so fantastic. I love the Brotherhood system, but then they did that Baron Three, so I was—I've never known what was yeah. supposed to be so good about. I think it was more the multiplayer for a lot of people, possibly. Maybe. I love the multiplayer. I probably spent oh, yeah, more hours into that than any other PS3 multiplayer game. Oh, I've never played it. It is. Dude! The servers are still on. You can still play it. Huh. Yeah. And especially if you can do something like Black Flag. I love just soloing the co op mode or getting with the team and coordinating strikes. The multiplayer has become so refined at this point that you can pretty much buy the game just for that, like as if you were buying Call of Duty and you're still going to get your money's worth. Okay. It is insanely well done. You are depriving yourself of a masterpiece multiplayer. Oh, I'm not sure masterpiece, but we'll see. <laughs> I wouldn't go masterpiece either. I would go more quasi-masterpiece. Like an interesting thing that adds value to the game. It's enough of a departure from the standard shoot 'em up that I think it's definitely worth its weight in gold. It's, it's a cool it's alternate mode. Kind of like um, Splinter Cell has a weird co-op. Spies versus Mercs. Yeah, which is actually pretty cool. It is very cool. It takes the standard thing and does... Like, Ubisoft does this with all their games now. Think about it. Except for Far Cry, for some reason. Actually, Far Cry, they've um, let for some more creativity, but Far Cry changes every entry. It's like... You know, Except 3 to 4. It's the yeah, same game, four, just in the Himalayas. 
Far Cry's big element is that there's a lot of user-generated content, and as a result, you get the kind of crazy stuff you would with, like, Halo Reach. That's really how you... It's, that's really like, cool infamous, too. There was yeah. a lot of user-generated content for that. You can generate your own missions and things like that. Yeah, I could not get into infamous at all. I tried. We should save infamous for the evil talk. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> well, the game was slightly yeah. less yeah. evil. There's, there's, there's two games I had that I thought I would hate... But I got I got one for free, and the other one I, I got because I'm I'm a I'm a loyalist to Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy X two. Wow, I thought I was going to hate that game. Uh, it did not. It had it was the first sequel in the Final Fantasy universe that actually had continuity with the previous one. It was. <laughs> it's like all warning signs. That whole game, isn't it? It was. It's a spice. It's basically Spice Girls, the video game set in a JRPG. Because it's three female protagonists. Where I, I and to be clear, I have no problem with that. It's just that all of a sudden in this first game you have heavy gravitas and a and a love story. And then the next one, it's all different. It's a different composer, a different art style to a certain extent. And it's the freaking Spice Girls. The opening yeah. song is a is a pop concert. What can I do for you? Oh yeah. What can I do for you? Yeah. It's just it's crazy. And everyone's Yuna has hot pants. Yuna has and is that the one where there's a guy that has like a bird living in his hair? Like some kind of metallic warrior chick. That's thirteen, Ted. Oh, that's thirteen. We don't talk about thirteen. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Jonathan. We'll go back to that later. Uh, Ten, to this day, I still think is my favorite battle system. Yeah, it's pretty good. The the dresser system is very reminiscent of the job systems from three, five, and uh, not so much. Not so much the material from Seven, but it, it's got that same job system. And the fact that you could change it on the fly was the first time you could do that. And the combat was just very, very smooth and very flowing. It felt, you know, in retrospect, a lot of it feels a lot like a 13 with the way you could change the paradigms. Yeah, it's like a semi-paradigm system. Yes, except you actually, where 13 was more macro, 10-2 was still very micro in the way you controlled combat. Is Instead that the one the where you're fighting sin? Say what? Is that the one where you're fighting sin? No, that's it's ten. A, yeah, it's a sequel. I'm, to that. Oh, it's like sorry. the fun-loving fun fun sequel. Yes. It's yes. oh, oh, I see. That really is. So it's the same universe there as yep. the one that was fighting sin, but now they're having a concert. Yes. Yeah. It, it's worth sin it, right? is gone. So what is a society to do when it's not getting wiped out every ten years? Have fun. You sing happy songs. Yeah. At a big blitz ball stadium. Oh, soundtrack! Everyone fun. wears significantly less clothing. Yeah. apparently. So, right. and the soundtrack's awesome and fun and jazzy and all that stuff. It's like a J-pop album. Well, good for them to uh, try something a little different too. You it know, was I, very... I, I don't have a problem with that. Oh no, neither do I. It was just it was so quirky. The <laughs> other game I thought I would hate, but ended up really, really liking, was Binary Domain. Huh. Okay, I've heard binary domain mentioned on this podcast before by Elijah specifically. Motorcycle yeah. boss fight on a highway. I still cannot forget that. Yes, and there's a French android. There's a French robot, <laughs> and he's dapper as hell. He and is fantastic. Does he speak English with a French yeah. accent? Yes. Okay. Yes, he does. What about Big okay. Bo? You even it's... get attacked by a giant robot chandelier at one point. <laughs> yeah. It's so trippy and <laughs> it's so over the top. It's it tries so hard to be an American third person cover shooter with with squad mechanics, and it 
and it does it wonderfully, but the dialogue and the plot, it's like any Sega game. It's just atrocious. It's horrible. It's painful to listen to. Yes. But the mechanics and the sheer audacity of it overcome those failings. And it just it's like watching it's like watching Rift Tracks, the video game. Because <laughs> it's just so incredibly stupid. It's funny. What about Big Bo? Is Big Bo in there? I don't think so. Is there a character named Big Bo? There is. I think there, there's a big black guy. I know that. But yeah, I, it's the sure stereotypical it's... black sergeant guy. Hang on. It was made in Japan, so I kind of expect some guy. Uh, a, a he basically is the cold train without with less woos. Yes, but no bird. I thought I thought that was like everyone had a bird in their hair. Oh no no that's Final Fantasy. No it's not Big Bo. His name is Dan Marshall. Oh. Yeah, that was there the, we go. I thought that's, that was the lead guy. That's such a boring name. <clears throat> he did serve with Big Bo, though. Big Bo. There you go. There's the Big Bo connection. We're all happy now. The Big Bo connection. This, yeah. this is turning into a very interesting Muppets episode. <laughs> Big Bo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if I have ever really played a Final Fantasy game. Like... Other than that one that was on a Super Nintendo a long, long time ago. That would wow. be six. Six or four? Or four. Which one? Six or four. I don't know now. Or is it two or three? Or uh, Well, yeah. When he played it, it was probably two or three. <laughs> I just know I went to the moon on it, and then I couldn't get any. Okay, that's two. Oh, the awesome one. Yeah. That's two. Yeah. It was also good. I mean, let's face it. That paved the way for J-pop several versions later so yeah. you know you it's true story the, the the love song from that game uh was taught for several years in japanese public schools in their music classes oh you mean the um theme of love Is that yeah da, 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 da. yeah that one awesome sorry <laughs> so some people listen to jazz other people listen to video game soundtracks as I, do I. <laughs> I will why not right both now. Why not both, I ask? There hasn't been a good jazzy video game soundtrack. See this? Here's my unorthodox collection. Well, we can see it, but the, the four yeah. people listening who have actually stuck I, with no, us there this actually is. Has three of the... You know what? There Hold is on. a good jazz video game soundtrack, and it is uh, nope. um, The Brink of Time. It's a Chrono Trigger jazz arrange album. It's all jazz. Oh, okay. I have that one. Yeah, I like that one. I was referring to an original composition. Oh, okay. Like an actual soundtrack, not remixed by Bad Dudes or, or one of the, the remix houses. Huh. There you go, listeners. Come back and let us know if there's a jazzy soundtrack. <laughs> I don't know. It said Final Fantasy Theme of Love on YouTube. No, that is Theme of Love. You're yeah, that is the Theme of Love. But I thought you were trying to exhibit a, an example of jazz. Here, I can turn this into jazz. Skim it up a tuba da da. No, no. Bad. Stop this crazy thing. Stop scatting. I shouldn't have taken that medication before the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The doctor said it might make me drowsy. (laughs) Ted, overly medicated and ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Zach, what else you got for us tonight, man? Uh, what? Uh, wait, I actually need yeah. to go still. You oh. go, and then the other person goes. Oh, you, oh that's right. You had your mic on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Okay, mute, man. I'm going to actually surprise everyone with the one I'm going to do, because you've already read rather specifically about it and highly praise it. 
I actually originally thought I was going to hate Dead Space. Huh. Seriously, like, to the extent of... It wasn't until a friend, who I'm not going to mention, kind of let me use his Steam for a little while, and he happened to have Dead Space, and I tried the Dead Space 2 demo, and I was completely underwhelmed. I was like, this makes no sense. These guns have so little ammo. This gameplay... And this was... I was way younger at this point. I was not a game journalist or anything. But... I started playing through Dead Space 1, and aside from that awful turret section, I mean, seriously, who thought that turret sequence made sense in any game? The same people who thought the spinning blades were good in the first God of War. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I fell in love with the combat. That's just, I was never scared by it, and that's actually one of the things I liked about it was I was worried about playing horror games because I didn't want to be scared because horror movies bug me very easily. But horror games, no. Silent Hill popped open the cork. After that, I immediately played his copies of Fear, and I played through Fear and Fear 2, and I was ready for Fear 3. The second hmm. it pulled out. Fear was not a horror game. Technically, the first one was, but it just horribly sucked at it. Well, I mean, if you're scared of concrete walls, yeah. That'd be me. I'm sorry. I'm I have a huge power. concrete wall phobia. <laughs> yeah, and the, I don't like and, running through empty office buildings waiting for a It actually led me to then, <laughs> from playing Dead Space, um, I actually got really good at it. So by the time, so my dad's friend, who'd been super excited for Dead Space, we come over to his house. He has Dead Space too. He's just, he's about halfway through the game. This has taken him like eight weeks because he is not a very good gamer, but he absolutely loves it. And what do I do? I sit down there, like fifteen, sixteen years old. I pick up his controller. I complete the first seven chapters in three hours. Goodness. That makes old guys like us just hate you, youngsters. Dead Space 2, which is my favorite one and uh, I've played over 100 hours of and still every now and then pick up for for like an hour or two because I just love the combat system. It is so beautifully, excellently executed. Seriously. And it got me over gore in games, too, because before then, Halo had made me a little shifty. But after Dead Space, it was like, nah, nothing really bugs me anymore. Even like the babies? (laughs) <laughs> no, it doesn't do anything for me. I do not know what it is, but games. Uh, the, there's only there are only two games that have actually gotten me jumpy. One was Darkwood because it was a genuinely good horror game built around tension and everything and putting you at a disadvantage in a good way. Not in the amnesia. Not well, I wouldn't say. Oh yeah, amnesia, Outlast style of. We're just going to make you being a blithering moron who can't pick up an axe or anything. In in the case of Darkwood, you actually had serious problems. You actually had I had to hide outside in the dark till morning because a monster had invaded the only house that I could hide in, and I had nothing. And I had to turn off the generators that turned on the light, and I had to pray that it didn't come around the corner. That was fantastic horror. The other one was actually unintentional, which would be the Thief reboot because for some reason they decided to try to make it be like a horror game when it makes no sense as a horror game, and as a result, I actually got scared because I wasn't expecting it. But whenever I picked up any other horror game, it hasn't scared me. But as a result, when I, I like a good horror game for usually its mechanics, for its atmosphere, and for its writing. Like Silent Hill Shared Memories. That is my favorite Wii game, hands down. It was an amazing experience. I plan on reviewing it at some point because of just how amazingly good it was. Is Alan Wake a horror game? It's more of a thriller. It and is as also much as Dead Space is a horror game, it's... Yeah, it's okay. It's mechanically it solid. It's mechanically solid, which is why they were able to make American Nightmare turn into more of an arcade experience, which realistically is kind of what happened with Dead Space 2 as well. They realized, hey, this combat actually works better than our atmosphere and our storytelling, so let's make that work. Although, ironically, Dead Space 2 at least, you know, got storytelling working right. And Alan Wake, 
starting with good storytelling, and then I don't know what they were doing with American Nightmare. It's like they're just kind of like, let's write some fan fiction and make it canon. Just yeah, to they screw kind of people. abandoned it. Now, I did like one thing about Dead Space was uh, that you could tell his health just by his pack on his back. Oh, yes, the lack of and, a heads-up display. Yeah, that was yeah. beautiful design as well. And yeah, yeah. Here's a bit of trivia. Guess what Dead Space was going to be before it became Dead Space? It was going what to be System thing? Shock 3. Hmm. I found a friend. This friend, he yeah, is... he owns the license, I guess. Huh. Yeah, they own the license, but there's another company there, a huge, awful bastard who just won't let anyone use System Shock for anything. They had to fight to get the System Shock 2 re-release. But um, it was going to be System Shock 3, all the elements and everything, because it was originally built for the Xbox. And Dead Space 1 to 3 is running on an engine that, in theory, if it turned down all the graphical settings, could run on an original Xbox. The original demo was for that. You can actually still find the original demos video. They demonstrated it at one point. Dismemberment and all those aspects and having no HUD were still there, but it almost was System Shock 3. That's where a lot of the inspiration came from. When that didn't work, Glenn Schofield basically he created this horrifying universe where a bunch of little microbial alien things powered by a giant moon can basically turn your body into whatever it wants to, like your Play-Doh. Whether you're alive or dead. I'll tell you what I loved in that game was the Zero Gravity Robot Combat Simulator. Oh, that was awesome. There, That wasn't in the game, was it? That there was a lot of zero G there, there was zero G. There was zero G. I wish – I so wish they would do something else with the multiplayer. They did it – they had an all right competitive multiplayer in Dead Space 2, but it didn't really latch people on because here's the thing. The whole Mass Effect 3-style map pack system, they experimented with that with Dead Space 2, but they only released one map pack and then never supported us any other way, and they didn't release anything for PC. So as a result, it's – the PS3 is clinging to life. From what I understand, the Xbox 360 community is clinging to life. PC's dead. PC is just – dead no one's playing it anymore but just like dead space daisy dead space daisy when you're on a space station or something like that that would be amazing huh, just okay. something okay. <laughs> um other than that uh, I, I since apparently we were, lo- were allowed to make two picks um i'm kind of torn here um well since final fantasy was already brought up I played the Final Fantasy XIII Lightning Returns demo, and I actually kind of really like it. I want to pick up the game at some point. Hmm. Lightning Returns? I like the combat. I could give less than a flying fricassee about the actual story. Lightning Returns? Yeah, I'm going to play it and love it, Jonathan. (laughs) I'm going to so play it, and I'm going to love it. And I'm going to say, it's the best Final Fantasy XIII game. I will drive to your house and punch you in the face. No, you won't, because you live in Florida. (laughs) <laughs> no, my disgust for that statement makes me want to go down to my car and punch you in the face just for joking about it. It is a horrible game. Wow. Get in the car, kids. It's a road trip. Where are we going to go, Daddy? We're going to find Zachary and punch him in the face. Good <laughs> luck, Destiny. So I'm feeling very confident now in my choice because. Well, but if if you live in Florida, in order to get up to him, you're going to have to take the the gondola of war. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take the gondola. <laughs> the gondola combat. Then you gotta search works. the wilds of the Pennsylvanian mainland. The Amish may eat you before you ever find me. Yeah, yeah I've got family in Pennsylvania. I can hide out there. And <laughs> we'll, we'll find you. Jonathan's violent vacation trip. If you I told you what my dream vacation is, right, Ted? Does it involve violence and punching? It does. It involves oh. once and violence. It involves me going to the hills of New Mexico, just south of the Colorado border, where it's mountainous, 10,000 feet up. My my dream is to release the following 
things into the wild. Barney. Teletubbies. Chuck E. Cheese. And the Wiggles. Give them 30 minutes a head start. And then me and some other guys, namely my brothers, when we came up with this idea, dressed in nothing but togas and spears, will hunt and kill with extreme prejudice. So this is I the learned most way dangerous too many game. things I never needed to know about you, Jonathan. <laughs> that is my dream vacation. The most dangerous game. The most dangerous game. With Barney. Are you going to tell them maybe that you're, the odds Uh-oh. be in your favor? What are you doing with that spear and that toga? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I love you. No. <laughs> oh, my heart. My heart. It's spurting blood. It's dinosaur bleeding. blood. <laughs> Let's sing a song. Spurting, spurting, spurting. My heart is spurting blood. Come on, boys and girls. <laughs> Medication. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. We're going places, guys. We are so off so, the rails. You are. Are you going to even upload this podcast at this point? Absolutely. <laughs> my my pick uh, for a game that I thought I would not like and did like. Uh, I'll go back to tabletop since I'm a tabletop focused type of guy. Dominion. Explain. I was very I much into board so. games, and Dominion is a card game. It's actually a deck-building game where you start out with seven coin cards and three uh, victory cards, which are each worth one point each, and then you buy ca- uh, cards, uh, action cards and other coin cards to build up to where you can buy uh, higher-value victory point cards. And I did not think I was going to like it. And now I go to Dominion tournaments that my buddy hosts regularly. So, curse cards. What's it called? Dominion, you said? Dominion. So, what did you not think you were going to like about it, I think, is the question. Well, what what I thought was I I was very much a board game guy. Okay. I I don't do, you know, a normal deck of 52 cards with, you know, the aces and the joker and all that. I don't play those. Um, and to me, the, I'm like, well, the theme sounds really cool, but uh, you mean I, I'm not going to have any pieces to move around the board? I'm not going to be able to have a bunch of night pieces to go attack my buddy's castle, and it's just going to be putting cards around? Hmm. Um, but there is quite a bit of strategy to it, and um, they've created so many so many expansions that there is quite a bit of diversity in what you can do. You can have a very nice game where everyone's just doing the thing, or you can put two or three or four or five attack cards in there and have a very mean, ugly game. There's a um, great app that someone made for the iPad. I think it's on the iPhone too, where it's a random deck builder generator. You just tell it what expansions you have. Yeah. Cards you have. And it just, it auto generates your, your playing deck for you, which is, right. A good time saver if you don't want to sit there and think, oh, but if I don't have the merchant to balance out this, then we're going to have an unbalanced game. It's just, it's, it's a little too, it's a fun, fun game. And it goes quick. So Once it's you, an it uncollectible quick. card game that has expansions that are added onto it. Basically, here's the, the, the basic premise of Dominion is, is you have, you have a playing deck that everyone chooses from. You buy the decks, the cards, and you build your deck through the game. But the yeah. deck is always the same. 
you're not buying cards from like Target or whatever. Oh, so it's not like magic booster pack kind of stuff. Right. No, no, the cards are always the same. You put them in a box at the end of the game and it's the same ones. It's just there's different random sets you play with each time. And the expansion packs are additional sets you play with. There's just like a stack of cards. Like this one stack, you pay this amount to get this much bonus back. Or this will give you an instant victory. Or this will curse your opponent. Just little things like that. And those and each game is completely different. I have an honest question about some of these card deck building games. Because I don't know. I haven't done it. When you're playing somebody, do they get to keep your cards and you get theirs, you know, like if you win, do you? Is it like poker or something where you're. Uh, well, it's no, not no. like marbles. Not like in some, It's not like marbles. In some tournament situations, yeah, but generally no. No. So but you would like keep Dominion, the deck that you bought. Right. In like living, like deck building games like uh, Dominion or Resident Evil or things like that, the, the cards just go back in the box at the end of the day. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, hold up. I didn't know that Resident Evil had a card game. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a deck building game, Resident Evil. There's four expansions for it. Is it the same Resident Evil that we all know as having Chris's blood? He left. <laughs> he he left. finally offended Apparently him. I insulted no, him No, he needs to show you. Oh, oh. But now the video switched to away from him so I can't see it. <laughs> he needs to talk so the video... Talk, I'm talking. Yeah, talk. Oh, now there's four... <laughs> see I see it, I see it. Resident, huh. Okay. Talk, Jonathan. Talk. Is it the Mercenaries? Yeah. Well, this is the Mercenaries expansion. I just, but they they made it so you could fit all the expansions in this box. But yeah, uh, Bandai made a Resident Evil card game box or a Resident Evil set. Yeah. Huh. That's so, great artwork. So seriously. Is it any good? <laughs> yeah, I like it. I think it's very good. Have you played that one before, Eric? I have not. No. Uh, and actually, there's quite a few deck building games I have yet to play. I have yet to play Legendary, which is the Marvel Comics one. I have yet to play the DC one. Um, when you go to living card games like Netrunner, I still have not played Netrunner. So, do you ever play any that are computer based that are card games? Like, there's one people keep talking about. Some about stones, and it's like, oh, I like this stone game with the cards and Hearthstone. What? Earthstone. Earthstone. Oh, Earthstone. Earthstone? Hearth. Oh, like Hearth. I've heard of Earthstone. I have not played it. I have okay. played it, like, a lot in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> I okay. like it. I like it. Actually, you know what? I don't really love the physical CCG because I always feel like I have to spend tons of money to really get going in those kind of games. But Hearthstone I actually like because... It feels balanced because I've beaten people with far superior cards that cost lots of money. So mm. makes me feel good about myself. Well done. Well done. <laughs> you crush people's hopes and dreams and money. Well, it's not like it's not pay to win, which is what I was afraid it was going to be. Yeah. It doesn't seem that way from playing it. But well, I really you know, like games with set deck construction. So For me, I might be in a case of this, uh, either playing it on a game on a tabletop with cards or even on a, a PC or, or console or whatever. I'm going to go into it thinking I'm not going to like it. I just – I don't know if I have a strategic enough mind. Well, um, Hearthstone is free, so that helps. Well, I can't afford it. Oh, oh, it's free. Oh, they okay. give you all these basic cards. You can't cards. afford free, man. They give you like all the basic <laughs> cards initially, and then you get to practice against the AI, and they give you more cards. So you end up with a lot of stuff to work with. So it's kind of got like a slow tutorial that 
kind of teaches. If Square had been smart, they would have made a version of uh, the Triple Triad game. Yeah, they would have. I would have played that. Or the other one, whatever the Final Fantasy. Oh is. yeah, that's not. Make a custom Triple Triad thing though. I think some fans did at some point. Yeah, there's there's a fan version when they took it off of Play Online years ago. Yeah, the fans made one. So yeah, games. <laughs> what was the other topic? The oh other right, topic evil. Evil. Think about evil. Evil. Yeah, I have that article somewhere. Right? <laughs> well, I'm not sure specifically what kind of evil. I, I've got it here. Let me. Okay. Let me, All right. Let me read it so everyone has it. It's short, and it gives me a chance to use my radio voice. You're uh, right. <laughs> hey, I, I have a radio voice. Shut up. He's got. He does have a good radio voice. Be quiet. Well, I I was on radio for like six years, so come on, I have I have the right to say that. So yes, ha 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 ha. Uh, <laughs> most game players find evil paths in narrative games a big turnoff. Overwhelmingly, they follow good paths as the default option. Microsoft technical evangelist Amanda Lange at the GDC showed that in narrative games where good and evil were clearly defined as story paths, only 5% of players opted for evil on their first playthrough. The number jumped to around 50% on a second run. In her presentation, Beyond Binary Choices, How Players Engage with Morality, Lang showed a series of stats based on in-game achievements and path, excuse me, path data. In Infamous, for example, 95% of players who completed the game reached the good ending, while the number who saw the evil ending was 65%, most of whom, she surmised, probably saw it on the second play. This raises an important question for creators of narrative games. If players are not attracted to evil paths, what is the point of them as anything other than added content for subsequent playthroughs? And it goes on, but that's essentially the that is the essential uh, crux of the article. And what and are some of the game examples they used? Infamous was one, uh-huh. uh, because in the game you can choose to play Cole as either good or bad. And to get to the awesome superpowers that, the, uh, that he has, you have to go hard all the way good or all the way bad. Same thing with Mass Effect. If you want Mass to, Effect, yeah. if you, want it, you can be either Paragon or Renegade to see the ultimate powers at either end of the tree. Uh, some of the answers came through her research. Many respondents said that being evil for its own sake is not attractive, that it needs to come with specific rewards or at least a level of ambiguity. Players are more likely to press the red evil button if they are in situations where they are trying to impress a specific in-game character or faction. Uh, last paragraph worth reading. Players will do unspeakable things to NPCs or non-playable characters in open-world situations. But in narrative sequences, they are much more squeamish. Notorious, I thought that was interesting. Notorious examples include the Grand Theft Auto V torture scene and the no Russian scene in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, during which innocent civilians are gunned down. Players will do unspeakable things to NPCs in open-world situations, but in narrative sequences, they are much more squeamish. Notorious examples include the Grand Theft Auto V torture scene and the no Russian scene in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, during which innocent civilians are gunned down. Many players reported finding these scenes distressing and uncomfortable. So why do you think it is, then I guess the, the question is, is what is it about an open world situation uh, that, that allows us to go crazy? But then when we actually get into a narrative path, we tend to go towards the good. Like for example, consequence. That's the main thing. With a narrative, you'll probably feel that morality decision. They'll reference it potentially, like if it is a Bioware thing. But if it's an open world game, you have very little consequence, especially in GTA. You could be a mass murdering lunatic who kills 500 people, but the story won't address it. 
So there's a lot less worry. There's a, there's a lot less chance for loss, basically. Mm-hmm. Also, well, and- um, in the narrative, too, the, the humanity comes out sometimes when you actually know that there's a person there that is talking. It's not just uh, a mannequin for you to shoot or cut up or destroy. It It's something that maybe is a touch more real to a person, and it makes them not not choose the evil path, possibly. Any other thoughts? Well, and I, I think it's, I mean, down inside us, we do want to make good choices. And when we're playing a game, we're, we're even though it's fictional, and even though it's, um, you know, no real people are getting hurt, it's just a fictional thing where we're just uh, going after digital and non-existent, not quite souls. Um, we still have, as real people, the conscience that God created in us, and so we still have to question things, and we still have to ask: Is this really a good idea? Because it's just part of who we are. Hmm. It's interesting you say that, because that actually makes me think back to when I played Skyrim, because I actually started out hating Skyrim. It wasn't until I figured out that I was good as a thief that I could enjoy it, and that's actually why I ended up going really on a mean streak, was I was completely annoyed that this game was getting so much praise, so I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I will behave like the Joker. I will make no sense. I will just cause chaos wherever I go. Everyone in this country is going to regret the existence of my elf. And then, yeah, it just it kind of shocked me how for the first time, I think in any game, I chose to be evil first. Because I am one of those types of people who plays evil second. I, I love to do that. I love to see both sides in a game. But I've never gone evil bef- like that beforehand. And it's actually made me try evil first a few times afterwards. It's a weird feeling, though, because you, as you're saying, yeah. there is a guilt to it. You sometimes feel like... Is this saying something about me that I really don't want to know? But <laughs> it's, just, it's just empty polygons. Why would you feel guilty about it? Because when you think about it from an honest perspective, it says it, it, it is an interactive art. It is two parties. It's the developers giving you the game, and it's you yourself. That's why when I think about Deus Ex Human Revolution, I still think back to my first playthrough for some of the decisions I made, especially at the end, because it's like, I didn't even need to do that. But I did, and it felt like the right decision. I actually killed one of the characters who I didn't need to kill. I even won the argument with them, so I didn't need to do that. But it was like, you know what? No, I might regret not doing anything beyond that, so it's probably safer if I do that. And that just... It still kind of haunts me. I still kind of wonder why I made that choice. It made so much sense at the time, but now it doesn't. Well, to some extent it does. To some extent it doesn't. I just keep wandering back and forth. It's interesting you use Skyrim, uh, because the presenter, Lang, she used... uh I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this. Uh, Parthermax, the good dragon in Skyrim. Yeah, she used something about that, yeah. Yeah, she killed the dragon uh, and enjoyed a lot of gated content as a result, but most players did not. The same with Skyrim's Dark Brotherhood questline, which she said was the best quest of the game, but is unseen by many players because of the evil nature of the quests. Uh, I, yeah. Hmm. Because actually, I've yeah, been the writer Dark of that. Or the presenter, she actually liked to choose the evil choice in a game intentionally, which is unusual. I mean, she's a bit against the grain. 
I know me. I'm I'm a rules guy, <laughs> so I have a hard time, you know, doing something yeah. wrong even virtually. Sometimes it seems like, with the exception of one game, which was Sleeping Dogs, which for some reason I just learned that I could run down the street and do a flying jump kick and just like hit people so hard they would flip over. Oh yeah, you found and your Saints Row. That's fun. Yeah, and uh, of course they weren't really people, were they? No, but. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, this is a true confession. It was almost more satisfying to do it to a female NPC than to a male NPC. Ted? Ted? I don't think that confession was a good thing to give out. I'm uh, just saying that's what I noticed as I was playing the game. And this well, is an why honest... Do think, why do you think that was? Was it was that I don't a know. thing or do you think that was the character? You know, I don't know. I thought that was – it's kind of like what um, uh, Elijah was kind of talking about. It's sort of like that little thing where you're like, well, why did I do that? You know, Or why do I like that kind of a thing? Now, I, I didn't like do it for hours, but I did it. Well, let me ask couple- this, Ted, let me ask you a question. And why, what's to stop you going outside right now other than maybe you don't have the population wherever you live? I don't know where you live. But let's say you live in New York City. What's to stop you right now from going down to New York City Street and just jumping and kicking some poor woman in the face? Well, I'll have to work Why on my jump you do kick. That right? but, uh, I but I guess after some practice at the gym to get a really good jump kick going. You do CrossFit, so you might be close to doing it. I don't know. <laughs> Not since I broke my rib. I oh, had to yeah. stop doing the CrossFit. So, uh, I, no, just I guess there's, there's the nothing. Example. I mean, other than maybe the, uh, the, the, the repercussions of doing it for sure. But you're right. I do have the choice to actually do that in the real world if I wanted to, although certainly the consequences would be far more severe than it was in Sleeping Dogs. Maybe that was just what it was in Sleeping Dogs because it's so unlike me. It's just <laughs> I'm the last person in the world that would you know, just go up and just hurt somebody. And, um, well, because the well, animations um, are also funny. Yeah, that was part of it. Yeah. <laughs> like in Grand Theft Auto, they're usually very funny when you see like bodies flying in the air and yeah. rotating several times. It actually brings up another question I think we need to ask, though, is um, when you are doing something bad in a game, how do you handle it? Because that's that's Ted sucks talking specifically about, you know, how, you know, sometimes he would hit a female character and it would be more fun. I'm actually kind of the opposite. The weird thing is I can play Saints Row. I can run around, smack people with a katana or a, a sword-shaped purple thing that may or may not actually be something else. But I actually can't so much do it like with the elderly or... With women, I, I really can't. I mainly just, you know, if there's a random construction worker, which there's like, like ninety percent of the population apparently of every Saints Row game is construction <laughs> workers. They deserve I have it. No <laughs> I, I just, I, I have no problems making that because, oh well, that's a big tough guy. I can smack him. There's no problem there. But I actually don't really want to. In Skyrim, it was more ambiguous, and there was actually only one character I regretted killing, and that was because, oh, that character seemed interesting. And just, it opens up an interesting concept also because. You say about how the Dark Brotherhood quest is one of the most interesting ones, and it is. It is compelling. It is honestly a lot more interesting than the main quest line in Skyrim, but... Right. Spoiler warning! You are being given spoiler warning! Uh, uh, but, um... Pretty much almost all the characters die at the end, and that actually really bugged me more than all the random innocents I had killed. It was like, hey, you killed almost all the entire Dark Brotherhood! What is up with that? I like those people! They were fun! They got what I was getting at! Well, as for me, everybody mm-hmm. knows that I really don't care what you do in a video game. I think might be fun, might be not, but 
I have no like personal emotional investment. I think this is why I don't really play many open world games anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because um, you know, I'll like get bored after a while. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever finished a Grand Theft Auto game or most any open world game, maybe excepting Assassin's Creed, because it felt like I had some kind of narrative motivation to go forward at least. So my. I don't really enjoy moral choice systems in games because I always feel like I'm being railroaded into one place or another, and I get that I'm understanding the moral qualms or decisions that a developer or director has, but those are not... Maybe they're just not interesting to me. So you're feeling like you're manipulated, in a sense, by the game yeah. designer. Every game is manipulation in some way. Yeah, yeah. Those, no, I, won't, I won't disagree yeah, with that. But those are... Um, <clears throat> less honest about being basically linear except for these set decisions, right? Because they can't, like, have a free-form decision-making system. I mean, you can kill this guy, or you can kill this person, or you can say this to this guy, but all of these uh, random situations in some way have to be predicted by a game developer. And sometimes they aren't correctly. (laughs) What about a system like Shadows of Mordor? Uh, Is that the Nemesis thing? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they probably have tried to get rid of every contingency, but they failed in some respects. So, did you did you play the game? No, I just it's Batman plus Assassin's Creed. But I mean, okay, so I mean, the Nemesis system is random. Yeah. So in many ways, there the decision you make in the game. Let's say you kill this one orc chief, and then or orc chief, excuse me, the lore nuts just went crazy and what we're going to come out of my head if I didn't use it correctly. <laughs> The Uruk chiefs that you kill, if you if they kill you, instead they get more powerful. They get promoted. Yep. And yeah, things change. The game world then changes as a result. And if you kill them, things change. The hierarchy changes within the Uruk chieftains and all that stuff. So the game does flow and modify itself based on your actions and your ability to play the yeah. game. Yeah, it's basically a system true? set in place by the developers so that it has this kind of like dynamic. Oh, that game made me mad, though. Like, there's this one orc guy that, like, shoots you with a fire arrow or something like that. Oh. And he always he always seemed to show up when I was sort of weak from battling a lot of guys. And then I run away to try to get some energy back, and he would shoot me with that dagum, dagum arrow. And then he would kill me and taunt me. And then you see him, you know, moving up the ranks. I'm like, oh, I want to I wanna kill that guy so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ted, you have some repressed anger issues. Okay, I'm calling the counselor tomorrow. (laughs) Last paragraph in this, I think, kind of wraps up this one. So what is the lesson then for game developers who create evil narrative paths and want players to experience those stories as viable first play options? Uh, Lang, the presenter, uh, she said that presenting pure evil without context is a bad idea because most people find the concept off-putting. Adding friction to evil is counterproductive. Evil should come with its own risks and rewards, as it "quote unquote" mostly does in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure evil has rewards unless you're talking short term, long term. Short term, for sure. Thing, yeah. yeah, kind of puts a damper on it. But this is Polygama, and I don't expect them to subscribe to that. So that's the appearance <laughs> there. Um, Yes. So, I mean, what do you think? What would what would it take for you to have? How about you, Zachary? If you were to play a game that you were invested in, what would what would cause you to want to play the evil side first? If they had cookies, 
I don't even know. See, like, I probably wouldn't play a game with a good evil system in it. Every time I seem to play one, I end up doing the good things anyway, so it doesn't really matter either way. Okay, how about something then that's actually just more like either be more of a jerkish but serious person or yeah. a more looser person, See, like Dragon Age 2 or um, that Japanese RPG that um, Bioware did. There was a couple ones, and Mass Effect. They've all kind of dabbled with this idea of being evil and good isn't really a thing. It's just kind of you're either nice or not as nice, but sometimes being not as nice actually makes more sense. See, because, like, in those games, I end up ending up neutral. I never end up, like, good, quote-unquote, right? Because I end up just doing whatever I want because I know it's a game and I can just mess with it. Like, I'll say something horrible the next time, and I'll be like, tee-hee-hee, you know? <laughs> just laugh at how the game is responding to my choice. <laughs> so, like, so I, I, just, the problem is lack of investment system. on my part, I think. So for you, it's just messing around with the system. Yeah, it, to me, it's a system. I know a lot of people get invested in the narrative, like, oh, Mass Effect's the greatest series ever, or whatever. You know, People love this uh, narrative thing, but I... And for whatever reason, all I see is a bunch of systems for me to mess around with. Yeah. I am Zachary Oliver, the unfeeling robot. I feel like a robot sometimes. And people <laughs> tell me, like, this game made me feel X, right? And it's like, eh, whatever. You know. I want to dropkick you, Zachary. <laughs> yeah, like in Tomb Raider, I'm supposed to feel like Lara Croft is, like, becoming a battle-hardened veteran or whatever. But all I can think about is, what? wow, it's fun to kill things. <laughs> so... If by battle harden you mean she has death dealing injuries within the first five minutes, like a rebar through the spleen, and yet can somehow <laughs> still live. Yeah. Yeah. I was just writing an article about that too. Yeah, that. Oh, don't even get me started into where. Well, it, and, and she also screams a lot. Yes, there is a lot. <laughs> of you can do this. 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 We have no other lines. You can do this. And then she does it. Yeah, and then she does it. I mean, even like in Far Cry 4, and slight spoiler alert, you, I mean, before every mission, you're given a choice. Decide with one side of the rebellion or the other. Both mm-hmm. want the same thing, but both have very different philosophies on how to go about it. So it's not so much a good evil, it's about what do you care about more? Are you going to take the emotional side of things and side with the, the human angle, or are you going to go and be the evil, well, not evil, the more callous, hardened general side and worry only about getting something done regardless of the cost. Neither, neither option is purely good or purely evil. It just depends on your outlook on things. Does that sound like a more interesting mechanic to you or would you prefer to have you know Mother Teresa versus Baby Eden? I think the reason why they don't do it in the more ambiguous sense is because it doesn't give anybody enough contrast. So it's like playing the same game. I mean... Maybe deeper philosophical themes are a thing that, let's say, an indie audience might accept. But in Far Cry, for example, right, mm-hmm. it just becomes sort of blah because your decision is doesn't have a huge effect on the game either way. Unless you do is the alternate there, ending. Is there a game that we can think of where you expressly play as a villain and not like the lovable antihero, but a legit evil, horrible villain? Lucius, oh, hatred. Hatred, I guess. Um, which one? Kind of Saints Row. Kind of at least Saints Row Two and Saints Row One. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Grand Theft Auto Five. My gosh, I actually, I stopped playing the story missions because of just how awful the main protagonists are. They really are just horrible, horrible people. Postal. Cannon Lynch. Cannon Lynch. Yeah, I guess Cannon Lynch would count. See, it, wasn't and, there a series called Overlord or something like that? Yeah, yeah you, but you basically turned into an antihero in that one anyway. That was more comical. 
Okay, all right. Yeah. This that was written by Terry Bratchett's daughter. And, and this is kind of comical, too, but there's a card game that I keep wanting to play, and I see it at one game group every time we're there, and I still haven't gotten to play. It's Boss Monster, where you are kind of a cooperative, but you're all the boss monsters at the end of the old, like, it's a mockery of the old Nintendo games with uh, where you're the boss monster at the end trying to destroy the hero instead of the hero trying to take on the boss monster. Mm-hmm. I love it because the box is like an NES cartridge. It is, <laughs> yeah. It is really cool. Um, I have played uh, Dungeon Lords, which is a great board game. It's a worker placement variant, so you are sending out your workers to do different things. It's not fully evil because you're not really killing the knights that come to your dungeon. You're just kind of mm-hmm. capturing them. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I guess Dungeon Master would kind of count, but yeah, that's kind, kind of. of more fun evil kind of thing. Yeah, I and, and that- the thing with Dungeon Lords is that the monsters are actually cute. So, oh, we'll oh, see. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> You well, see, actually, it's always cute evil. <laughs> Adorable evilness. Aww. Aww. I thought one more. Um, then this one's multiplayer, actually. It's lo- it's a local multiplayer one. Crawl. You act- He said about the boss monster that reminded me, in the final boss fight, the three other players actually have to control the main villain Cthulhu-like monster and try to kill the mm-hmm. protagonist. Huh. It, it Basically, the entire mechanic is around... Everyone repeatedly killing each other, trying to be the hero while everyone plays the villain. It's actually one of the most, it's one of the best games to build itself around selfishness and comedic irony through events that I can think of for this sort of thing. It really does require you to basically be as evil as possible while playing. Wait, uh, don't you play as Dracula in uh, Lords of Shadow 2? Kind of, but you're still made up to be a good guy. You're literally fighting Uh, Lucifer. Yeah, well, anti-hero, so. What about Braid? Braid? Braid, we're like, it's just that that's a whole discussion in and of itself. That's a like five hour podcast. That's like interpretive in some sense. Well, no, it's not interpretive because at the very end, spoiler alert, you find out that your character is the villain. You were the bad guy. Hmm. Or the I was thinking too. Of Shadow of the Colossus certainly has uh, an evil twist to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's it. That's a good example, I think. But you don't know you're evil, so maybe that's. But well, you're trying to you're trying to do the good thing, but you're right thing you're, for the wrong reason. Yeah, or yeah. wrong thing for the right reason. Oh, 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 yeah. Dragon Guard. There we go. I think we've won. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we we we, we win. Hit. Yeah. Dragon there we go. There we go. We got. Well, the, I'm not familiar with that. What got, is it? Uh, it's. Oh boy. <laughs> dude, how do I even describe Ted, this thing? Ted, okay. This is this is gonna get Ted, heavy. You play? Yeah. Uh. Well, just I played the year, but did you play Dear Ted? N-E-I-R for the PS3 or the Xbox 360. What was that? Near N-E-I-R. No, I never did. You should. You really should. So you play in Drakengard as some knight named Kaim who is fighting in a big war to save his sister who he may or may not be in an incestuous relationship with. Huh? He dies in a battle and a dragon signs a pact with him and... He's like, you got to go kill all these things. And then he teams up with, like, a pedophile. PS3. A baby murderer, a baby eater cannibal, and some other crazy folks. It's mostly this is done by implication. And, man, it's just out there. (laughs) But you play as a genuinely evil dude. And And don't you basically in Darkened Guard 3 basically play, you know, like the Antichrist of their world? 
Uh, it's a little more ambiguous in Dragon Guard Three, but in the <laughs> first one, for sure, it's like everybody in that game is an insane, crazy person who does bad yeah, things. Pretty much. Yeah. I well, think it sounds like you've we've got the winner. There we go. So <laughs> if you ever wanted to play a game where you associate yourself with a pedophile and a can- a cannibal who likes eating babies, for literal real, then yes, <laughs> Dragon Guard is your game. I, I'm not. I think that's where I would end it right there because I don't think we can. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know where we can go from that. I, 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 where do you go from there? I don't think there's anywhere you can go from there. That was like over a decade ago. See, there we go. Oh, there's total unrepentant evil. That game. We 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 have hit the climax of the night, fans. Yeah, and everybody. There's nowhere we can go from everyone here. Everyone thought moral choice systems were so cool. Well, Dragon Guard already did it. There wasn't any other choices except evil. It's your only choice. Pure and simple. Yeah. Can you imagine all those people playing like Final Fantasy X-2 the same year? And they were like, oh, Square Enix is releasing Dragon Guard. This will be cool. <laughs> no, it will not. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so any final I got conclusions? I got, I got nothing else. Or did I win? No, you don't no. win. No. Ted wins. <laughs> this is the part at the end of the podcast where we talk about what games we've been playing. Uh, I don't know. I think Destiny. we're already kind of over an hour well, here. Destiny. Yeah, I'm going to play Destiny as soon as we're done. Okay, you're playing Destiny. I'm playing Hearthstone and World of Warcraft, which is kind of boring. I'm, I'm going to play, play Destiny. Well, it's a boring choice. I mean, uh, what are you playing, Ted? Uh, you mean in in the world of video games? I have been kind of bouncing around, so I haven't really done much of anything other than a little bit of that sniper elite thing, and uh, I played a little bit of Connect uh, Sports something on the Xbox One the other night just to see what that was like. Ted, so if I've, you get a chance to pick up Sniper Elite Three. For the PS3, the PS4, the Xbox One, let me know. I would love to play some multiplayer with you. That is my oh, absolute, yeah? that is my absolute most favorite multiplayer game. Right I now. had a blast doing it on the uh, uh, Xbox 360 with that particular version. I did a little bit of multiplayer, and it was so much fun. So I, I would definitely take you up on that. And I, I'm interested in getting that Sniper 3 one, especially. I think it's been out for a little bit. I can probably get a, a decent The collector's price. edition is down to 50 bucks. It's really cheap yeah. now. Yeah. The the thing I play most is I only play – actually, I really only play the no cross maps. Those are the most fun for me because you can't go to the enemy. You are literally separated by a hard barrier, and it's literally sniping. That's basically the whole thing is the other team can only snipe you. So you move slow, you hide, you look for glints, and it's it's a lot slower paced. It's Yeah. That sounds really cool. It yeah, the slower pace part of it is is great. It really is. You just got to take your time and not go running through stuff Halo style. <laughs> oh, okay, so just curious. If I want to play a sniper elite game, what game should I buy? Two or three. Probably get 3. I, I would advise three, two, especially if you're like trying to play on PC. Don't. The community will chew you in and spit you back out. <laughs> I would be playing on Wii U. How about that? Oh, actually, there is a version on there, and well, that's only two. I think there is. Yeah, you can aim with the gamepad. It turns your scope into the gamepad. Oh, oh that that bad. would drive you nuts. That I don't think be... you would go. I don't think you'd like it. Kind of like the arrows in Wind Waker. HD, kind of, which are actually pretty good. I thought. Yeah, that was pretty good. Couldn't think of it. 
Yeah, I'll take – Jonathan, I really would love to uh, do some kind of co-op kind of thing with you sometime mm-hmm. out there. We I need to sh- the three and the four and the one. I we don't need have- to share gamer tags uh, for um, – for I have I have PS3 and I've got Xbox. So Wait, you have uh, three copies of Sniper Elite V3? Yes, they do. For me? No, you I don't. You have three oh, copies. They just keep yeah, appearing. They- <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, he's done that before. That's This is nothing new. No, not new for him. <laughs> <laughs> I have four copies of Destiny. I have it on all four platforms. That is uh, disturbing. <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, I bought the digital versions on the three and the three sixty, and then you automatically get the next gen versions for free. Oh well, I guess that's not half bad. Nah, it wasn't bad at all. Let's just say he's single handedly keeping the industry alive right huh. now. Okay, so clearly, Sniper Elite Three Ultimate Edition comes out on March tenth. So for thirty dollars. So you want to get that. Then you can kill Hitler. Yeah, I would pick that up. That's Thanks. that's that's the copy to get. Okay. Well <laughs> I have plans now. Yeah. There you go, Ted. I, I got you. it. I got it. I'm gonna turn on the uh, Xbox One here and 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 friend friendalize you. Friend him. I'm gonna turn on my iPad so I can accept it. And Eric, are All you right. awake? <laughs> I am here, yes. Did we already talk about what you were playing? Uh, no. no, but I'm... You're satisfied. See, on Saturday, I hosted an event with all cooperative games. We played a lot of Sentinels of the Multiverse and a lot of Pandemic. Ooh, Pandemic. Pandemic is so much fun, and Sentinels is a lot of fun. Uh, in Pandemic, there are a couple of times when the world did end from disease, and a couple of times when we managed to save it. Uh, in Sentinels of the Multiverse, I think we mostly defeated the evil villains when we put, but... Yeah, my group did, at least. Huh. So. Was it an evil villain? Yeah. Well, Was it I a mean, Drakengard evil who, villain? Who did we take <laughs> on? Um, I don't even remember. There's one villain in the game. Uh, Baron Mordo, is it? Or Baron, uh, Baron something, whose goal is to bring the moon down into the earth and destroy everything. That is the plot of a lot of things. It is, yes. Um, um, plot of Killer is Dead. In Majora's Mask. Yeah, good point. Well, he's, he's kind of a fun boss to take on. He automatically starts with this mobile defense platform, so you can't attack him. You have to attack that first. So, Do I hear, like, dual analog sticks? Yes, you hear Ted typing with his <laughs> control. Oh. You can hear that? Wow. <laughs> You got a good mic, man. All right. Um, yeah. All right. I'm gonna resolve this. But Please. I didn't. I didn't do mine. Wait, I, what you play? You talk a lot. You I will be that. quick. I promise. <laughs> I will be quick. Counter Spy. Uh, I, I've been playing Counter Spy, which, for those of you who don't know, is if XCOM, Austin Powers, um, Shadow Complex, and Metal Gear Solid had a baby. Seriously, it is amazing. You should get it. It's on PS Plus right now. You should just play it. You really, 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 really should. The levels are auto-generated. It is beautiful. Huh. Play it on Vita, though, if you can, because for some reason the PS3 version has glitches. I don't know why the PS3 version has glitches, but specifically it was having a lot more problems. I had to hit – it failed three times to save my game. It was only on the fourth try that it did, whereas on Vita, the worst problem I had was occasionally a guy would get stuck in a wall. On what? Uh, on what? I played it both on PS3 and PS Vita today, reviewing it. On the I what? Got to... The PS what? 
Vita. 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 Do you want this to end anytime soon? No, it's not Vita. until you say Vita. I'm low, then you're going to be disappointed. I've also been playing Rezogun, which... For those of you who don't know, if you had PS Plus back when the PS4 launched, you can re- that and you redeemed the Resogun thing there. Yeah, that applies also to your PS3 and PS Vita, and it runs fine on either of them. It is bloody fantastic, and you should play it. And my dad looked when at it and he was like, two vowels yeah, are defender. separated by a consonant. The first vowel is short, second vowel is long. Yeah, it is. That's that is actual grammar rules. So, bye, dad, mother, holler. <laughs> I'm an English minor. I know this stuff. I think yes. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm a grammar Nazi. It's Latin, isn't it? It is. It's Latin for life. PlayStation life. I know that would be an acceptable substitution. Life. <laughs> I love you, Elijah. <laughs> he hates me. He's not even looking at the camera. He's just going to ignore me now. I love it. Uh, well, actually, I was just getting swarmed. That's why. Because ah, <laughs> that's just it. I swapped over to Resogun because I've been. Pl- I seriously, I've been playing a ton of it and Counter Spy, which is kind of surprising to me because they're both. They're not roguelikes, but they're games that are involve a lot of die, repeat, die, repeat, die, repeat. But kind of uh, like Uncharted. No, Uncharted. Oh goodness, no! Don't stop. If I was bloody well playing Uncharted, I'd be walking down a single hallway repeatedly, over and over again, shooting the same three guys over and over again, and there'd be nothing different. And there'd be tons of beautiful explosions that I would have nothing to do with. Yes, yes. And that's what makes it so awesome. Yeah, that's what. That's what makes it so bloody mind-numbingly terrible. Yeah, let me tell you, he doesn't even like Gears of War. He likes binary domain better. You know, I can like Binary Domain better than Gears of War. Really? Oh, yeah. man, you guys make me so sad. I just, I can't get into Gears of War. Nobody can except me. It's so hard to pull off headshots in that game, because I can't tell where the head is. Because they're monsters. <laughs> you know, I, I had the stupid sniper rifle, I could never pull off us. And I'm decent. I'm not saying I'm awesome, but I'm decent with the sniper. I can never get a headshot in that game to save my life. You see, headshots wasn't my problem. My problem was that I just I hated the design aesthetics and everything, the sound design, the world design, the gun design. It just I, I'm a guy with synesthesia, which means yeah, tell you know, us, tell us how you really feel. He must play Res a lot. Res? Yeah, that is uh, a synesthesia game. Well, Reso Gun? Yeah, there's a lot of that there. No, like Res the game. I don't know what Res the game well, is. you can look it up after this podcast. I'll look it up afterwards, and then you'll probably have me talking about it later, won't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but you're not going to have me talking about Uncharted next time. I mean it. No, we're not even going to well, talk about Uncharted. If you bring it up, now. I'm just going to mumble into a bag or something. Okay. We're cresting the 80-minute mark, so I think we're going to let it go and stop right here. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Let it no, go. I like that movie. Don't mention it. All right. This has been the Theology Gaming Snowman Zachary. This has been the Theology Gaming <laughs> Podcast. I'm Zachary Oliver. Go to the Theology Gaming Blog. Now for shameless self promotion of your articles, websites, whatevers. And many, many articles about Bayonetta. Uh yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a while <laughs> since I played Bayonetta. I read Bayonetta Love Affair. Articles about Bayonetta. <laughs> you will not believe it. Go to nerdchapel.blogspot.com uh, or find Facebook.com slash NerdChapel or search for NerdChapel on YouTube. Yeah, and sometimes you organize events at conventions, correct? Uh, rare times, yes. I do, I do some things at Grand Con 
And I try to attend Gen Con every year, but I don't organize stuff there. I just I volunteer with the Christian booth there with the Christian Gamers Guild and Fans for Christ and help out at that. Well, if we since, since we're self-promoting ourselves here, you can also follow me on Twitter at Alpha Bovine, where I post all my game journalistic writings that I get paid for somewhat for Inquisitor. <laughs> you can also go to Inquisitor.com, check out the gaming session section. I'm usually found there. I uh, click on uh, your articles. I'm going to thank you. you. The, the two cents Inquisitor sends me for that. I it, feed it, your children. You do clicks. feed children. <laughs> and I'm also asked Ake's question about that. <laughs> and I also work over at Game Church. I handle uh, some of the some of the discipleship stuff over there, and I supply some of the news for the main feed as well. So check us out. So check me out at GameChurch.com, Twitter at Alpha Bovine, or Inquisitor.com. I also do silver work, so contact me. <laughs> <laughs> I am at Paradigm Fallen on Twitter. You can usually find me there. I will respond to your tweets. Um, I'm doing YouTube right now with Unabridged Gamer. I'm currently having some technical issues with that, though. That's why there have been a lot of videos. But there will be more live stream postings, like the Murdered Soul Suspect stuff. I can also be found on GameSkinny. I do editorials and review work mainly there. And I can also be found at Artistry Games. And, uh, uh, that's on GameSkinny. Yeah, Ted, Ted. And I'm nowhere. Just don't look for me. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Ted the Hermit. I don't know if I like this, Ted. <laughs> this is the medicated Ted. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had a little uh, tummy trouble, so I took some nausea medicine in it. Ted, Ted, please stop. We don't need to know this. Okay, he's on wildmanshead.com. It's like my yeah. dad whenever he says, like, I wasn't feeling too well today, son. I had diarrhea and bowel movements. <laughs> and he goes on to list all these wonderful things. I'm like, Dad... I don't. I he don't, wants to share his day with you. That's I all. I don't want to know this. Just tell me you weren't feeling good. That's all I need to know. I'm, I wasn't going to do that, and I'm not going to do that. He's and quite frankly, I'm not like your father. Thank you. Because if you were, you would eat marshmallows with your tomato soup. What? That's that a whole is dose. gross. It's actually really good. You should try it after we're done because Zachary is dying and trying to get us out of here. It's awesome. Is this podcast over? I got to edit this later. You guys. You got to have an extended cut. You have to have an extended cut. Oh, man. Well, because, you know, at some point people do kind of like doze off. Well, they did that like after 15 minutes. Yeah. If they're with us, they're in it for the long haul. I guess they are. Hello, three guys still listening. We have a we have we a medicated we have a medicated man because there's no ladies listening because Ted's gone and punched them all and <laughs> kicked them all man that's just not oh man did I really say that yes you really, really, really <laughs> did yeah we are totally keeping it <laughs> we don't care oh, man. the first oh, word boy. that came to my mind was misogynist but I, I wasn't oh. gonna say it out loud. Well, I do have a prayer request that I can't talk about until the podcast is over, but it has nothing to do with any of that. But <laughs> It doesn't have to do with lady kicking. Oh, God. <laughs> Zach, I promise to shut up. Just close this out, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this has been the Theology Cup Gaming Podcast. Thanks to everybody for being on, and uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.